eight years, 1,378 videos, 1.4 million subscribers, 180 million views, and 2,400 years of total watch time. This is the Picture This Photography Podcast, and today we're gonna be doing something a little different. We're gonna talk about what it's like to have 1 million subscribers on YouTube. A lot of people out there actually want to be a YouTuber, so we're gonna tell you how we make money. Yeah. What it's like to be semi-famous, micro-famous, and the sort of immense pain that we've experienced at different times in our careers during various takedowns and things like stalkers who decide to show up at our house. Yeah, and one instance where I just decided to get a home security system because things can get a little scary. But first, a word from our sponsor, Squarespace. Whether you need a website or your own photography portfolio, you can make it happen with Squarespace. Just go to squarespace.com Chelsea, use the coupon code Chelsea, and you can get 10% off. That's in the description down below. And you can get a 14-day free trial, too. Thanks, Squarespace. First of all, YouTube is a job. Yeah. This is a common misconception. People think you just drive around in cars and have fun all the time, but some people work... 120 hours a week, especially when you're getting started. You don't get much sleep. You can work all the time. Other times you just decide you can take a week off. It's nice that you have that level of flexibility, but it's also a competitive job. Like if you decide you're going to work zero hours one week, there is some upstart who has a crazy amount of energy who's burning the candle at both ends. And that guy's going to be making a lot of progress because there's really only so much time that people are going to be watching the videos. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, I think the other thing is it's a job where people see that one little facade of fun, but behind that, there's so much work. Like there aren't videos of me sitting down and doing our IRAs and figuring out our insurance and doing our taxes and paying our contractors. So it's like, there's a lot of really boring work that goes into. Yeah, just regular office yeah. stuff. <laughs> emptying the garbage. I mean, I am the office garbage lady. <laughs> and maybe you can take a week off. Maybe you can take a couple of weeks off, but really you can't stop. You no. never reach some point where the business can run itself because you are a personality. You're still always going to be an independent contributor. And it is a grind. It was actually different in the older days of YouTube. You could put up videos and they would be what we call evergreen, where they would just keep getting views. Nowadays, people need recency. They need new videos put up every couple of days or you start to fade out. That's tiring. It really is a grind. Yeah, actually, I burnt out last year. I made a video about it and uh, I was just so exhausted and so tired of just churning stuff out and chasing numbers and was tired and I took a break and sure enough, our channel suffered. You just, you're constantly treading water basically. And when you say it's a grind, it almost makes it seem like you're on a treadmill kind of doing the same thing every day, but it's actually not that simple because one day you'll be on a treadmill and the next day you're rowing and the next day you're swimming yeah. because stuff is constantly changing. And if you are not also constantly changing, then even if you're working hard, you will fade out of existence because YouTube will suddenly change their algorithms and trends will change and technology will change. I think even if you have a super original style, like Casey Neistat, for example, his style is so original. He's so incredibly talented. He skyrocketed to fame, super popular. And then it was rough for me to watch all the people fall in behind him and just take 
all of his style. Boosted boards, overhead cams, yeah. smash cuts. <laughs> and it really, like, I know it's flattery. Like, people did that because Casey is talented and admirable, but it was also, like, heartbreaking for me because I'm like, that's him. Like, he's special. He works so hard to make this little special thing, and then people, you know... That happens to everybody. If you happen to find that magic, that thing that people love, then everybody will copy it and rip it off. And suddenly this magical thing that you invented, that you discovered is now a cliche. And somebody new to YouTube who stumbles across you, maybe they've seen everybody else who copied your style, but they don't know who originated it. It doesn't matter. And that's why you just have to be constantly changing. You can never just rest. I think that's like the nature of creating. Like if you watch an old funny movie, it's not funny because everyone just stole the jokes and recycled them. Mm -hmm. Like the good part of that is that it keeps you pushing for something new all of the time. Like I never watch other videos before I write a video because I don't want to copy. I always want to be doing something I at least think is original, if that's even possible. Um, So it pushes you to do something new all the time. I only watch other genres. I never watch other photography channels. I no, channels I don't want to rip off. And I don't want to copy. or whatever. Yeah. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about the money. money. Ooh, cha-ching. Okay, I feel like people get really curious about how YouTubers make money. For us, a lot of people don't realize we're actually a publishing company first. Tony wrote over 30 books before we started YouTube. We wrote a book about photography. And we have a publishing company called Mason Press. We have eight or nine titles now. More than that, maybe? Yeah. I think we're the number one photography learning publishing company as far as like overall book sales go. I don't know if that's true, but it sounds... The last time I checked on our little statistics database, that seemed to be the case. So anyway, for us, we started YouTube as a way to market our books and our and our learning materials, and then it kind of took on a life of its own. But once you're on YouTube, you can find other ways to make money, and one of those ways is sponsorships. I'm sure you all know about that. You see Squarespace and um, all of our podcasts. They make that possible. Another way is merch. You see a lot of channels have t-shirts. We have some, but we, we don't really push them. But something you definitely have to do is diversify your income. It is extremely challenging just to live off of the money that you get from YouTube. We've never had a year where the YouTube monetization would have made a profit. Every year, the money YouTube pays us is less than our overall expenses. As far as paying contractors, employees, buying the equipment that we need for a studio like this, YouTube has never been profitable. It's only the sponsorships. It's only us selling books and merch and stuff that makes this financially possible. You know, we have bills and stuff. We don't get to just do this for free. This is not a communist organization where the government is paying us to educate people. That'd be weird. Yeah. Um, No, so the way that we make money is through our publishing, with our books, our videos, all of that. Uh, We get the YouTube monetization. Of course, we get some money from that. We we have sponsors. Um, We have other merch like presets, T-shirts. That's not really doing a lot for us, honestly. It's just for fun. But then... You know, every once in a while, we'll also do a different kind of sponsored post, like one product individual. But we always disclose it. And I know that there's people get kind of weird about that, right? Like they're always nervous about like secret sponsorships and stuff. But the hardest part about this is so many YouTube channels are completely shady about it. They take sponsorships that they don't disclose properly. Yeah. They'll 
advertise this one product, they'll say it's great, but they won't say they're paying me to say this because that becomes the most effective type of sponsorship. But as a result, people are naturally and correctly suspicious of YouTube channels. And we are constantly accused of undisclosed sponsorships, which we have never done. Yeah, but I blame the companies because how can you expect, I mean, they deliberately choose some channel with someone that's doesn't know about sponsorships yet. I know because they reach out to me all of the time um, and they don't tell you that you have to disclose those things legally, so. And I'll say we have never accepted sponsorships from camera or lens manufacturers. I just wanna make that clear because 10 times a day, we're accused of being sponsored by a camera or lens manufacturer. We've never done that so that we can be unbiased. Yeah. And I'll say you can make a lot of money if you don't have ethics about your sponsorships. actually wanted to debate you on this, but you go ahead. You finish your point. I have known YouTube channels that will accept sponsorships and say some piece of garbage is absolutely fantastic and they can make $10,000, $100,000, depending on how big the channel is. We don't do that. We could easily accept sponsorships from a big camera company, for example, and become that brand ambassador. And that could probably be a six-figure-a-year sponsorship for us. Yeah, there wouldn't be anything wrong with that if we disclosed it. Uh, Except that I see almost 100% of the time at some point they talk up a talking point that isn't necessarily genuine. They say this works great in this way, but at least I don't feel like it works great in that way. To me, that would be unethical. So Not just in the camera industry, but in the tech industry in general, we've seen this because we've worked with non-photography related channels and we've seen this kind of thing happening. That's true. Yeah, we've seen big channels get mad at big sponsors for making them push some junk that they hated. Yeah. But they still did it. (laughs) That's true. But my philosophy, my counterpoint to getting rich on not having ethics would be one of the things that I think has really helped us is that our viewers, a lot of them trust us. Yeah. And that's because we do tell the truth even when it gets us in trouble like a lot. Like there are a lot of people that aren't very happy with us, but in the long run, I think that it works out. And I don't know, maybe you're right. Maybe we could just make more money right away if we just took every single sponsorship. But for me, I think a big part of our success is that we only take the sponsors that we believe in and we try to be honest about it. And we've broken contracts. We've had sponsors that have tried to make us review products that we knew would not work for you, our viewers. And we told them, we said, our viewers won't like this. This is junk, send us something else. And they said, no. And so we broke the contract. We'll just, would rather walk away because we'd rather have the trust. One of the downsides of working with sponsors is that they tend to really annoy your viewers. So even if you're lucky enough to find one, um, your viewers might not appreciate having those commercials and your content, but it's like. It's the only way to make it happen. Yeah. I mean, some people, if they're recording in their living room and they don't have a big production, they can, maybe they can do it just based on YouTube monetization. But the way we do it, we could not. Okay, coming up after the break, we're going to be talking about being a Z-lister or like micro-famous. We're going to talk about the fans and the haters because it can be so sweet and it can be so terrible. And we're going to talk about how getting free stuff can actually be pretty terrible. But first, let me thank our sponsor, Squarespace, who actually makes this possible. Squarespace makes amazing websites for you, and you, now more than ever, really need some kind of web presence. Social media isn't enough. When people search for 
your photos, your restaurant, your dental office, whatever it happens to be, they should be presented with a beautiful, well-designed interface that gives them the information they need most. The best way to do that is to go to squarespace.com Chelsea. It's super easy to set up. You drag and drop it. You get a 14-day trial, no credit card required. If you love it, use the coupon code Chelsea and you can get 10% off. I am really struggling with this because we're getting like takeout from restaurants and stuff. And so yeah. I try to look up a website and they don't have a menu online or if they do, it's because somebody else like took a snapshot with their phone and stuck it on Google or something. Like yeah. go to squarespace.com slash Chelsea restaurants <laughs> around me and please set up a real website just to make I've actually a thought about, I'm like, I know I can't cause I don't have time, but I've thought about contacting my favorite restaurants and being like, do you want me to just set up a really quick website for you. It'll take like 10 minutes. Please get your menu somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I, I've skipped restaurants because I was like, oh, this is just too hard. I'm just going to go to the next website. Yeah. Let's talk about what it's like to be micro famous. Now people yeah. are going to laugh because they're like, oh, you guys are not famous. We're not famous to 99.999% of people. But there are people who watch us several times a week. Yeah, to us, they spend one? more time watching us than they do Brad Pitt or whoever. And when we meet these people, we're famous to them. And it can be a big deal. And I don't know what it's like to be a Taylor Swift or somebody, but I've had enough exposure to it that it's definitely changed my life in some ways. How has it changed your life? Well, I... Maybe one of the biggest downsides, maybe it's because I'm a little bit of an introvert. Yeah. But I have given up being anonymous in public. We no longer have that. I can never, you and I cannot go to a restaurant and in the den have a private conversation and assume that nobody around us cares. Well, you're right. I do kind of feel like that because we did have a meal once. And then at the end of it, the table next to us said several times this has happened. Oh my gosh, like maybe like a half dozen times we've gotten yeah. through a meal and then the table next to us, someone will say, oh, I'm a big fan. And then you're like, oh my gosh, I was talking about personal like family stuff. Yeah. I don't know if this is going to be a person that like goes on forums or something, but that hasn't happened. I haven't seen anyone like go online and then share anything personal. No, but I'm always aware that I don't, I, people know me even though I don't know them. Yeah. There's that sort of asymmetry in public. Otherwise, if you know, if you recognize somebody, you're like, oh, that's my friend. Yeah. But people people will know us. For example, I was in the airport one time and I was buying some gadget I needed, some electronic gadget. And yeah. the guy was really trying to upsell me on the more expensive version. And I was really irritated by it. And I definitely <laughs> like got stern with him and I just said no and I was really pissed off. And then after the transaction was over, he goes, by the way, big fan. <laughs> And I'm like, oh God, I was such a jerk to that guy. You don't, you don't get to have a bad day because you never know if the person you're interacting with knows you. Well, that's never happened to me because I'm a darling and a sweetheart. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I know what you mean. You but don't get to like wear pajamas to the Walmart. You know what I mean? You can't just run into the Henny Penny with slippers on because somebody you know, somebody who knows you might see you. And sometimes they don't say hi. Oh, I totally Often they don't say hi. I totally would anyway. I've given up like caring about that. <laughs> but I love meeting people. I love when they just come up and say hi. Um, I love that too. But you're absolutely right. Like I remember once we got off of a plane. We got off of a red eye. 
we took a cab to our hotel. Like I'm like so greasy and nasty after a flight, like bags under my eyes. As soon as I open the door, the person on the sidewalk goes, ah, Chelsea. And I'm like, this is so exciting. Why am I so gross to meet <laughs> such a nice person? And they like hug me and I'm like, oh my God, they're going to think I'm just so like stinky all the time. <laughs> my favorite we got off a red eye from another country and we're waiting in line in customs and that's a long line. It's going to be like an hour. And a police officer comes up. A and TSA he's like, agent. You two, step out of line. He's very stern with us. And we're like, oh my God. And he pulls us out of earshot of everybody else. He's like, I'm a big fan. We're going to get you through this line. I know. And he takes us right to the That front. was the number one I don't even best. know if that's legal, but it was awesome. Like you're the MVP, sir, if you're watching. You made my whole week. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, so there's perks. Like people are really nice to you. The fans are great to you. But sometimes you like have an awkward conversation at dinner and then you find out the person next to you knows you and you didn't know that. So that's that's a little weird. Our level of fame currently is when we go outside in a a town like ours, it's never a problem. Sometimes every now and then uh, somebody would recognize us. Maybe it would be like once a week in our town somebody would say hi. If we go into a big city like New York City or if we're in like an international airport, it's probably going to be several people a day who will say hi. And then a few people a day, you'll see them out of the corner of their eye kind of like tracking you. You actually learn the look. Yeah. Like, you know, right away if someone recognizes you. So like famous people, actual famous people must know this, but you can totally tell there's like a specific look and you're like, oh, are they going to say hi? And often they do. Or they'll circle back or you'll be like, oh, they didn't say hi. Maybe I was wrong. And then they come back and they're like, I thought that was you. And you're like, oh, yeah. Hi. On the other hand, you, you don't want to make that assumption. No, because you would be such one a... time somebody recognized me and he goes, he comes up to me. He's like, oh, I know you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you must be. Uh, and then he goes, you work at the plumbing supply store, right? <laughs> I'm like, no, you're you thinking of another of white haired guy. You have one of those plumbing supply faces. All right, let's talk about free stuff because I know that a lot of people hear about how YouTubers get free stuff, and that is true. But there's an old saying, Tanstaffle, which stands for there ain't no such thing as a free lunch. That means nothing is ever really free, there's always strings attached. So it can start really low level, like. Once you get 10,000 subs, somebody with a, like a USB battery charger is going to contact you. That's like you. the first one. Like <laughs> yeah. That's like level one. You're going to get a free USB battery and charger. And then it's exciting. You're like, I what? have made it. That has a $29.99 value. I have arrived. <laughs> yeah. Dad's getting this for Christmas. <laughs> I specifically accepted that 10,000 YouTube battery charger. And that's when I learned the Tanstaffle lesson. I was like, yeah, send that over. And then they're hounding me like every 15 minutes, like, like, where's the video? Where's the video? You need to hit these five talking points. We need it to be eight (laughs) minutes in length. I was like, what? No, it's a $30 battery charger. I'm not doing anything. There's like a cultural difference that like, this is so unprofessional of you. You don't have your review out yet. It must be at least 10 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. And then, so you'll get free things. But then the other thing is that They'll always expect a review, like maybe an exclusive review. Well, they'll have some some expectations that you're not aware of. Um, but one that we learned the hard way is that they always want exclusively positive feedback, which we do not excel at. Um, and so we've gotten into some uncomfortable situations with that. Yeah, it's not worth it. 
it's better to just buy what you need or borrow it or buy it and resell it and then just do whatever review you want. You can't just be reviewing free stuff. I, I had um, an adult toy company contact us recently <laughs> offering us. Yeah, they said, we, we looked at your channel and decided this could be a good relationship. I'm like, you did not. You did not look at our channel. <laughs> no, a little bit off brand for us. <laughs> Let's talk about fans, Tony, because I think that the fans, they are the best part of the job. Absolutely. Especially we're both educators. You know, yeah. I was writing educational books before this. You were teaching piano. And when I think about the number of students that we've been able to reach, it's incredible. Like the, we said earlier, 2,400 years of student eyeball time. Yeah. When you think about how long a college professor would have to teach an auditorium of 100 or 200 people to reach that level of eyeball time. Oh, I don't like when you do that number. It's so scary. It's impossible. But if you want to educate, then it is so attractive and so powerful to be able to reach that number of people. Yeah, but having all these people supporting you is really cool because we're talking about how like, oh, you know, we're complaining a little bit. Like sometimes you got to do the office work. You still got to take out the garbage. It can be grueling. It's oh, a lot of work, problems. first world problems. But then you put up a video and you get like the same people that you know, making funny jokes, talking you up, saying, oh, you guys really worked hard. Like you did a good job. Like noticing the little things that you did to try harder. And I can honestly say there've been so many times where I'm having a bad day and then like, Erland will comment a funny joke and I'll be like, this is why I do this. I do it for, for the people that are like super supportive and kind and positive. And it really inspires me to just keep what, doing what I'm doing. It's definitely the most rewarding part of the job. You, some people, I literally see them try to become YouTubers because they want to be rich. YouTube is not a good way to become rich. You should maybe go into finance <laughs> yeah. or just work hard at a regular day-to-day -day job. It's probably going to work out better for you. Yeah. But as far as like reaching people, making connections, uh, maybe even making the world a better place, YouTube is a great way to do that. Like how many times... Does it warm your heart when someone send us a selfie with our book and they're like, I learned about portraits today. And you're just like, oh, that's the best. I got to do that. Yeah. I mean, that's my life's mission. Or all of the times that we've seen people like they're just beginners, their first photos are just very basic. And then they contact you two years later and they're like, I'm a professional now. Thank you for inspiring me. You're like, this is the stuff. This is why I do it. I remember once you met a woman who saw you and she was so touched to see you that she started crying. It meant so much for her to meet you. And when I think about how many people are out there whose lives we've actually touched and made a difference, that means so much. Yeah, that's the best. Oh, and then... The flip side of that coin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're the haters. So if you're going to have a YouTube channel, you, you will have haters. Fewer in the beginning for some reason. People are usually nicer. At least that was our experience. I mean... How many people on any given day, what percentage of people are having a bad day, are physically or mentally ill, uh, have had something disastrous? They've gotten into a car accident yeah. or their wife just left them or something. Yeah. What percent is that? Like 1% or 2% of people? Probably a lot. If you have 1.4 million subscribers and 1% of them are having a bad day, then you have thousands and thousands, 14,000 people who are having a bad day. 
Dang. You're in the path yeah. of a lot of angry people. Yeah, that can happen. And they are far more vocal and far more active than your fans are. You do learn to take it less personally. And I'll say you learn to take it less personally with the praise and the criticism. You kind of learn to just balance everything out and, and, and push out all of the voices. That's something you have to learn to do. But yeah, I've had people definitely attack me and then they'll come back and say, wow, I was really rude to you. I'm so sorry. I was having a terrible day. I just lost my job. That's happened to us dozens of times. So this is something that just happens. It can range from just annoying someone having a bad day and making an offhand comment to harassment, someone commenting on every single thing that you do, making it personal, um, a lot of sexual harassment in the beginning for me. And a I learned that you could just block disgusting words, so that's helped to just not see them. And it can also be scary. So there was someone that was like harassing us and then said they had a gun and they weren't afraid to use it. So we got a security system. Yeah, and people like drive past your house and stuff. I remember once we were traveling and I just posted a picture of us in the lobby of our hotel room on Instagram. Yeah. And a local recognized that hotel lobby and then showed up there. Oh, I forgot about that. Like actually chased us down. Yeah, which probably seemed normal to them, but that but you don't know the person, so it can be really we, scary. We didn't actually meet them. Like one of the hotel staff saw this person kind of lingering and figured out what it was, but they like sought us out and warned us like, okay, hey, somebody showed up looking for you. Yeah. Um, especially because it's probably a fan. Yeah. But you don't know. You don't know, especially when people are saying like they don't like you all the time. Um, Then you get people that use your name and face for views, which, again, you just learn to detach. Like, I'm not a person to a lot of people. I'm just like a face and a name and a personality that's almost completely severed from whom I really am. So they'll say things like Tony Northrup is stupid and then his face is in a thumbnail. That's inevitable. It doesn't matter who you are. There's always going to be somebody that doesn't like you. If you want to be a YouTuber, you have to get past that. You will never make everyone happy. It's not going to happen. Ask yourself who your favorite politician is. Who's your favorite athlete? Who is your favorite musician? And then are they universally loved? No. Do 100% of people love your favorite politician? Or is there some faction out there who also hates your personal favorite politician? Yeah. That is the way it is on YouTube. You will develop fans and you will develop people who hate you. And then, as you said, YouTube will literally pay people to hate on you. Yeah. Because of the way the algorithms work, they can say Tony Northup is stupid. And then it will come up and be suggested after a Tony Northup video. And naturally, somebody who is watching our video is going to be intrigued by that. It's a great way to make money and get subscribers. Yeah, I think some people are genuine about it, like they hate you and they just want to talk about it. But some people just do it for views. We've even had people approach us and be like, if, if we had a public fight, that would get a lot of views. And we're like, mm. Yeah, and I've had them say that after they put a video up. I'll reach out to them privately and be like, why did you do this? And I said, oh, I just thought it'd be great for views. (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay. Okay. (laughs) And then sometimes you'll just touch on a nerve. Like, we can literally just report, oh, Nikon is having these financial problems. And then that will, for some reason, hurt somebody's feelings. Like, people shoot the messenger. And... They won't just write a bad comment on your YouTube channel, but they will seek you out on every form of social media. They will go to the ugly hedgehog or the DP review forums and just say nasty things about you. And every time somebody brings up 
our names, they will comment even if it's completely unrelated. Like, here's a useful tutorial. I would never watch those idiots who think yeah. Micro Four Thirds is dead. Yeah. Well, you just have to get past that. But don't worry about it. Don't let it discourage it you. Don't let it discourage you from starting because you you cultivate a callus. It's going to be fine. <laughs> what I'm saying is it's completely unavoidable. Yeah, it's unavoidable. Absolutely. I think it's something that needs to change because it does cause a selection process in like... The people who survive as YouTubers are the people people who are able to push through that inevitable negative feedback. Yeah. But who are the personalities who push that inevitable negative feedback? You you get a lot of narcissists. Yeah. You get uh, some people who are like borderline sociopathic and just don't feel that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, my personal experience, I was kind of brought into it slowly because I used to write books for Microsoft Press in an era when people hated Microsoft because they were a big monopoly. So I started gradually getting attacked by Linux nerds and such. And I learned at first it really stung. Every negative comment stung. But I did that for 20 years. And eventually this thing just wore off. But you're also a sociopath, people. right? He's a narcissistic sociopath, <laughs> technically. Yeah. yeah, but that's not, you don't have to have like a personality disorder. There are also people that just have a really strong sense of self and a thick skin. I mean, there are people naturally like that. But what about all those people who don't have a thick skin? How many people have we talked to who started their own YouTube channel and then bailed as soon as they reached that point when they started to attract the haters? Yeah. Then you t- then you talk to your friends and your other your peers in the industry, and you you realize it happens to everyone, and and you will feel better because I don't have a thick skin, and I I deal with it. One of the big perks. And it kind of goes along with having a voice and a channel yeah. is you get access to people. We have gotten to meet so many of our photographic heroes. We've gotten to meet, you know, the CEO of Nikon and Sony and the heads of their imaging departments and yeah. the engineers who designed some of the most brilliant things that I absolutely love. Like they'll, they'll even answer the phone for us. It's nice. It's a real, real perk. And we've gotten to learn from other creators uh, you know, we got to shoot with Dixie Dixon and Ira Block mm-hmm. and like these amazing photographers. And Brian Smith. Brian yeah, Smith. And it becomes this circular thing. Like it has made us better photographers and better creators because we got this access to it. It's an unusual career path, but it has made me better. Yeah. And we meet the other creators too. And they're really helpful. So you'll meet your peers in the industry. Um, and then it's just cool because you have so much in common with them and they're often funny. Remember when we met the first time we met Chris and Jordan and we love the camera store channel. I was incredibly nervous. And I was we, more nervous for them than anybody else we've ever met. Cause yeah. they were celebrities to me. They were a listers to me because I watched them all the time. I know. I knew that feeling where I was like, Oh, I'm so awkward. This is like Chris and Jordan. I felt like, oh God, they'll never want to talk to me. <laughs> and I, it was like the only table left at a particular press event. And so I grabbed a couple of seats and they were like awesome people. Yeah. They There's a lot of friendly, awesome people. But I was so intimidated at first. No, I was intimidated by a lot of people we met. Uh, with the first time I saw Jessica Kobasi, I was like, she's so cool and like so famous. I can't talk to her. And then my friend Sally Watson was like, just go talk to her. Come here. Stop being such a chicken. <laughs> It also it impacts your relationships outside of YouTube because if we have friends who don't know that we're on YouTube, but 
almost inevitably people will find out you're on YouTube. And people have a notion of what that is already. So when they find out that you're on YouTube, if they're under 23, they think it's super cool. (laughs) Like almost universally, teenagers like YouTube and many of them aspire to be YouTubers. So they will have questions about it. They'll be interested in it. And they might even be inspired by you, like to know somebody who's been able to do it professionally will make them think, okay, this is an option for me. This is a job option that I have. We've done the yeah. like uh, career day at school before and talked to kids about We've done career day at our kids' school a few times where I talk about what it's like to be a YouTuber. It's very accessible. I like that there's no barrier to entry. Older generations, some, most of them are fine, but some people are kind of like, oh, they're YouTubers. You know what I mean? Like there could be a little bit of negative energy as neighbors find out what you do and kind of talk about you behind your back because they don't necessarily have an understanding of it. At least in our area, like there are no other YouTubers in our area. <laughs> like, it's Casey Neistat left New London. <laughs> it's yeah. just us now. People don't have a personal point of reference. There's a few, excuse me, but yeah, it's not a very common job where we are. Um, and I also think that people have their own ideas of YouTube. So when people have found out, they'll say, you're on YouTube. My kid watches people open toys on there. Is that what you do? So they'll mm-hmm. come to you with like these ideas of what a YouTuber is like or what a YouTuber does. I usually just tell people that we're in publishing and then there's less to explain, but they like, they'll find out. Yeah. And if you haven't told them, then it feels they've presented it like, how could you not tell me this? about yourself. Well, okay. So you want to know why I don't tell people? Cause usually they just don't care. And if you have to explain it, then you sound like, I don't know. It sounds weird. Yeah. I avoided saying it, that I was a YouTuber for the longest time. And until I had so many awkward moments where I introduced myself as, oh, we run a publishing company. And then later they find out you have a million YouTube subscribers. Like, how could you not tell me about this? Like we know each other well, and you never brought this up. And so now I feel like I have to lead with it because at some point people will discover it and feel like I was hiding something, but I'm not hiding it. Yeah. That's but then true. as soon as they find that out, you meet some random person, but so often they find it out and then they go down this path where they seek you out online and they kind of stalk you a little bit and they watch all your videos. You know what the best? It's a weird way to meet somebody. Do you want to know what the best one was for me? What's that? On my soccer team. One of the guys on my soccer team found out from someone else that we had, I had a YouTube channel. And so he went on YouTube to stalk me and he found this boudoir video that I did uh, where it was like a prank. Like in the beginning, I act like, oh, this is so vulnerable. I'm going to be getting naked and stuff. And then it cuts to me taking pictures of like my naked guy friend in a tub. And so he comes to me and he's like, Someone told me you were a YouTuber, so I checked out your channel, and you got me with that boudoir video, man. I thought I was going to really see you in a boudoir shoe, and then I saw your friend in a bathtub, and it was like, it was like perfect. Like, I never thought that prank would really come full circle into my personal life, and it was, it was good. If you're at a party, and there's 30 people there, and you don't know anybody, at some point, they're going to be whispering, like, that guy's a YouTuber. Like, our kids' friends know what we do, whereas I didn't know what any of my friends, parents did when they were a kid. Like it just, it gets around social. I don't feel that way as much as you. I'm yeah. You probably don't care, but I'm just self-conscious about that kind of thing. I think that we have different feelings about it because I really feel like people truly do not care. Like I just, not been my experience. I think people just don't care except for kids. 
Mm. And you feel like people like talk more, but I just don't think anyone cares. All of this is fleeting. We totally acknowledge this. Like I've been twice through industries that grew quickly and then completely collapsed. And I think that's inevitable with YouTube. We recognize this. So it is a risky job to have. There are so many things that could make this go away. YouTube could just change their algorithm and not show our videos anymore. Yeah. We've had friends whose whole channels they built for years and then suddenly it's demonetized. And like, I can't make any money at this and they're not giving me any views and yeah. nobody at YouTube will pick up the phone. Like these things really can happen. You could just get old or trends could change and suddenly one day you're in and then the next day you're out. And maybe it's not overnight, but maybe that happens over two, three months, a year. It feels weird to have a career that didn't exist 20 years ago and might not exist five years from now. Yeah, I so this makes me feel two ways. One way I feel anxious about it because I know this is not permanent and I don't know how long I'll be able to do this job that I like. But on the other hand, I really savor it and I appreciate it. And there have been times when we're getting some of these perks of the job where I like pause and I really soak in the moment. Like when I'm in a room with people that I really admire, I'll just stand there and I'll look around and I'll say, this is the moment, like soak it up. You're meeting this photographer you admire. You're with your peers that you admire. All of this is temporary. And like, you're going to tell your grandkids about this one day. And that's really how I feel. Like, this is cool. We are so lucky that we got to be a part of this whole YouTube boom thing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I will be telling like my kids and my grandkids about this one day. Like, oh, we got flown all the way to Thailand or like, oh, like we went to this like celebrity party for no reason. I don't even understand. And it's it's cool and it's fun and it will disappear and I don't know when, but I, I'm enjoying it while I have it. And increasingly, jobs are less and less stable in general. Yeah. Like so many people, you can have a long career for 10 years and then suddenly that job position can be gone. Like Uber comes along and suddenly taxi drivers can't work anymore. Yeah. And then what happens when self-driving cars come along? Like we don't live in a world where jobs are stable. My dad had basically the same job for his entire career from the time he was 20 until he retired at like 65. He sp spent like 45 years working for the same company in the same position. Not, that hasn't been my life and that's not going to be an option for many people growing up right now. I guess I'm just saying our job is not stable, but jobs aren't stable now. I think the average person changes jobs like every seven years or something. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about like the pros, the cons, but I feel like as a whole, it's a really fun and fulfilling job. I like being a YouTuber and I'm really, really thankful that we were able to get enough success um, to do it full time. We don't have to work other jobs anymore like in the beginning. We get to meet a lot of people. We get to turn down work, which is great. I, I think that's such a privilege that we get to be selective. I don't like a product. I, I don't have it. I think a sponsor shady, boom. I don't have to work with them. Mm -hmm. Like It's a luxury. It's a luxury to be able to pick and choose. And I get to wake up every morning and I get to say, am I going to film today? Am I going to write today? Am I going to do boring office work today? Pretty much get to choose my day. And if I'm not enjoying my job, it is my fault. And that's a luxury. Yeah, we're not forced into this job. We've had other jobs before this and mm -hmm. we chose this because it's the best job. Yeah. I, I absolutely love it. I know we have complaints. I want people to have a realistic view of what it's like. Every job has pluses and minuses. But for me, this is the best job. If you can get this job, 
you should get this job. <laughs> if that's what you want to do. I will say like one of the things I find myself asking myself is like, is this job, am I doing enough? Like, am I putting enough change into the world? Is like this just entertainment? Am I actually helping people? So, you know, like doctors do that right now. We're at a time where a lot of people need help. And I'm just kind of like, what do I do? <laughs> but yeah, I, we do get to use our jobs to help people. So I do find it fulfilling. Well, thanks to all of y'all for making this possible. Everybody who supports us by watching our videos or buying our educational material. Yeah. Uh, or simply not Writing a nice comment. saying mean stuff about us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I really appreciate it. And thank you, of course, to the sponsor, Squarespace, who does make this financially possible. YouTube does not pay enough to build out a proper studio like this. And having trustworthy sponsors that we believe in has enabled us to build this channel to what it is today and enabled us to reach so many people. Squarespace was actually our first sponsor. So I found their message in our YouTube spam box. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, you read so many crummy sponsor pitches and I, it was before Squarespace was popular. I had to Google what it was. So I was like, what yep. is this? Is this a legitimate um, sponsor offer? And, and I made one and I liked it. Um, yeah, then, I had a web hosting background. Yeah. So I was like, just hold on. Let me check this out. I'm going to set up the website because so many web hosts are garbage. I set it up and I was like, oh my God, this actually works fantastically. And I did performance tests on it and stuff. I did security auditing and stuff. And I was like, you know what? Squarespace is real solid. I really like this. I feel like I could actually vouch for Squarespace. And we've been doing that for many years now. Yes, and we're doing it again right now. So you can try it for 14 days for free. No credit card needed. Just go to squarespace.com slash Chelsea. Use the coupon code Chelsea and try making your own uh, photography portfolio or perhaps a page for your restaurant. <laughs> uh, and we'll see you next time on the Picture This Photography Podcast. Guys, thank you again. We mean it from the bottom of our hearts. You make all of this possible for us. So thanks. And I will try to respond to comments on this. So you guys, if you guys have other questions about what it's like to be a YouTuber, ask them. Or if you are a YouTuber, what's the most striking thing about it? Like, what is different for your experience than what we just described? Yeah, it must be different for everybody. All right. Bye. Bye.